The League of Legends betting podcast is brought to you by my patrons at patreon.com slash gelati lol. There you can find bonus content like in-depth articles on macro trend analysis and league previews, as well as thoughts on breaking news and the podcast picks before the show is released to platforms. You also get to support your creators more directly. Patreon.com slash gelati lol. That's G-E-L-A-T-I-L-O-L. All right, recapping the LPL for Tuesday morning. This was a great day. We did a perfect 6-0 for plus 5.039 uh, units on our two matches today. Nice to have an undefeated sweep day. You don't get those very often, but we take them for sure. The first match we had was RNG versus Ultra Prime. Um, <laughs> Ultra Prime tried Ramus Yumi bottom lane in game one. Man, I can see the idea here, like conceptually what they were thinking, which is like, okay, the other team has four auto attackers, we can have Ramus, we needed a tank, we needed other Yumi delivery devices, so they had they had Jax, and um, who was the other, they had, oh, Graves, they had Jax Top and Graves Jungle, who were two incredible, incredible things for Yumi to ride, essentially, um, so... I like the idea there, and I knew they need they knew they needed a tank, so they wanted to play something. And then they saw four auto attackers, and they were like, "Oh, let's play Ramus." The other team had a Poppy. Also, Ramus can't wave clear; he doesn't have any ranged abilities. So they're against Ash Varus in the bottom lane. Ash Varus just got a tower, all five plates, like without any help, in like eight minutes. And like RNG had a super big gold lead really early. They just rotated this around the map and like the rest was history. Like I could see this kind of thing working if it gets there, but like Ramus isn't it. Like you need you need to be able to clear waves, especially against double range in the bot lane. And Ramus can't. Like he doesn't have any range abilities, so he has to walk up and even with his his Thorns Aura thing, he can't I forget the name of it. Um haven't played Ramus in a while, sorry gang. But <laughs> um like, Scion with this could have worked because he has the Q and the E to, to help wave clear and just, like, catch waves without taking too much tower damage. Um, Garen Yumi works. We've seen Cho'Gath Yumi work. We've seen all sorts of different stuff. If you're going to go for something like this, then you need to have a tank that can wave clear. <laughs> yeah, second game, RNG had one little mistake overstaying in the base when they were trying to end the game, but other than that, they were in control the whole time, and they stomped the second game, too. I, you know, I said it going into this game, Ultra Prime sucks, and more than just sucking, they're an unserious team already. Like, we're not even to the Chinese New Year yet, and, and you know what? Maybe things will change. Maybe they'll become a serious team after the Chinese New Year. I don't know. But to me, when you're a bad team... You don't have the luxury, or you're bottom of the table team at least, you don't have the luxury of coasting through the Chinese New Year. You just don't. Like, you need every win you can get. And I have a feeling that this team knows they're bad, and now they're playing like it. And that, like, teams like that, that's how you end up with, like, I kept comparing this to, like, that, that, that historically bad victory five lineup from a few years ago that had like two, two or three game wins in an entire split and went 0 and 17. I think there's a chance that that happens with this team. Like they look awful. They they look like they don't give a shit. Anyway, enough talking about Ultra Prime. They're gonna be 
an auto fade until they show me that they actually care. Um, LGD EDG, big underdog win for us here, uh, cashing LGD. Um, first game was uh, one of the, honestly, this first game was probably the closest game that we've seen in any region so far this season. Um, it was within a thousand gold more or less for like 40 minutes straight. Like nobody had any kind of big advantage. Each of them had stacked up three dragons. It really came down to like, just, it was, it was just a nutty game. Um, every fight was insanely close. Uh, I think ultimately what won this game was like high Charles AD LeBlanc. And like the, like LGD won a lot of these fights, just not cleanly. And the few fights that they lost, high was able to stay alive and either, you know, rush through the back line, run out the back line, clear the next wave with the LeBlanc or like create you know, havoc by split pushing and then teleporting in and getting good flank angles. And like EDG just could not get a clean fight win. Like, like they were able to win fights and like get stuff, but they couldn't get anything major. Like they, I don't think, I think they got one inhibitor maybe in this game in 40 plus minutes. They even got, they got an infernal soul in this game. And what ended up happening is like, it's it's so weird that they eventually LGD got like they were able to force a Baron fight around forty one minutes. They got a three zero, even against Infernal Soul, and ended up just winning the game off of that. Uh, it, it's wild. Like normally, this AD LeBlanc struggles in the extreme late game. She like she's most potent when she gets two to three items, and after that, like she doesn't actually deliver that much DPS. It's like it's like burst, but. It's not like it's not as bursty as like a full build AP LeBlanc, but it's it's and it's not DPS like an AD carry, even though you're kind of building like full AD. But it's really good at killing towers. It's really good at insta clearing waves, and you can just like you just become a menace. Like you're 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 basically a terrorist on the rift. Like you, it's it's the like the ultimate rat champion. It's almost like a singe where you're you're just creating havoc on the map. And it's annoying as shit. And, like, if you try to win fights straight up 5v5, you're not going to. But if you find flanks and you're able to get to a squishy carry target, it's insane. So, yeah, I don't know. Highchow, this was one of the best AD LeBlancs I've ever seen in any game across all the majors. And he was able to get it across the finish line even when everyone was full bill, which I was just incredibly impressed with. He had, he had immaculate positioning. He had great sense of a fight was going south, so he'd... He'd either dip and then clear the wave so that EDG couldn't get anything or, you know, get enough damage down on a carry to discourage them from doing anything. It was just, a, honestly, it was just a masterfully played game from Chow, And he's a player that he's had situations like this where he has games where he's just brilliant. And then, you know, the rest of the time he's, like, really underwhelming. But it kind of makes you see why teams believe in him. This was a great showing from him, though. Good, really, this game could have gone either way. I'm a little surprised EDG didn't win it, if I'm being honest with you, but... Game two was, like, game two honestly started great for EDG. They built out a pretty, like, a moderate gold lead, but, you know, for the first three dragons or so, they ended up stacking a Cloud Soul, like, in 24 minutes or so. Um, around the 26-minute mark, they won a fight in LGD's blue side jungle. They picked off three people with a huge, like, Callista ult into Nico ult combo. This was a Nico support, by the way. You're going to be seeing some of that if people are playing Callista. Um, 
They end up getting Baron off of it. At this point, they had like a 7,000 gold lead, Cloud Soul and the Baron. So they reset. They go to Siege up um, with the buffs that they just got. They're moving through LGD's red side jungle, but Leave gets picked off. I think he was like standing on a, if I remember right, he was standing on a ward that he didn't realize. They picked him off. Uh, LGD kind of just like, they didn't get anything else off of that, but they staved off the Baron without losing even an inner tower. Um, Kepler kind of got greedy, trying to greed for an inner, second inner turret mid. He got killed, but there was like a minute 40 until Elder spawned, so it didn't really matter. Um, worth mentioning at this point, Fisher was eight and on Akali. So that's pretty nuts. He was uber fed. Um, the thing is though, because the Baron got staved off, this game was going to come down to an elder fight. And because it got staved off in a way that they weren't like EDG, weren't able to choke out the map and deny, you know, vision in the jungles and, and, you know, force them to cover waves and all that. This was going to come down to you know, a 5v5 for Elder where LGD were going to be able to approach safely. So, yeah, EDG were still up like 6,000 gold, and it was early enough in the game that that gold advantage was still significant. They were pushing mid-wave to get Pryo and then move into the river for the setup, which is what you're supposed to do, by the way. But they made the mistake of grouping as five in the river, like, as they moved together into the river, Meteor found a massive rel ult, hit, like, four people, they killed Leave again, won the Elder fight, took Elder, reset, forced the Baron, won the Baron fight because they had Elder buff, and then won the game shortly afterwards. You know, this was this was a tremendous throw from EDG. Uh, I mean, really, they, they only made, like, one critical error in this game, and, or, I'll say two, and it was a little disturbing that it was Leave that made the two errors because he's, I, w- I would say he's the best or second best player on this team with J- with JJ. But they got like you can't get caught when you're when you have the ball, you got a hold. It's it, this was this was fumbling the ball, you know. This was fumbling the ball with a three touchdown lead and giving the other team a chance, and that's exactly what happened. And. It was honestly very akin to the 49ers-Lions game this past weekend where, you know, the Lions had had a th- you know three-score lead, and the only way you lose a game like this is turnovers, essentially, and, you know, they turn the ball over. And that's what EDG did here. Leave got picked off in the jungle to stave off. You know, I, there's no guaranteeing they would have gotten an inhibitor, but they had a Baron buff and Cloud Soul, and there's a good chance they would have gotten up a lot more gold and really choked the game out and... More importantly, choked like time out of the game to allow them to set up and get a more advantageous position for the elder fight that was coming up. But then they got they got caught five people in the elder fight too, or in the or on the way to the elder as well. So this was two critical mistakes that ended up costing EDG the game seemingly out of nowhere. They had no business losing this game. This was like a ninety nine percenter, and they just fucked up. So. It's weird. When you see these kind of things, it's really tough in the early season to draw too many conclusions from it because, you know, you could you could attribute to a lot of this to just like early season slop or you could attribute it to or, – or, or it could be the beginning of a trend. And we won't really know until we see more, but it's worth keeping an eye on. I think ultimately the handicap in this game I had was right in that I think 
you know, EDG are kind of struggling right now just in general, and I think they're not as good as their prior market rating, which is probably not going to be the case after this match now, but we were we were in a good enough position to identify that and take advantage of the price. So we'll see we'll see what their prices look like moving forward. All right, moving on to the Wednesday slate. We have a four-match slate in the LPL and LCK. Um, before I touch on that, I just want to give a heads up to everyone again. I will be away this weekend, so I'm going to be releasing these shows at slightly different times than I've normally been releasing them uh, for the rest of the week. So if you see you know, your podcast feed come up a little earlier at weird hours, that's why. All right. First match tomorrow, we have Rare Adam, minus 114 on the money line. Minus 1.5 maps at plus 249, plus 1.5 minus 338 against Invictus Gaming. Minus 106 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at minus 319, minus 1.5 at plus 262. Seeing the same, uh, actually no, we're seeing one difference uh, in the lineups here. So uh, Rare Adam running the same thing. Shaoshu, Nayu, Vikla, Asim, and Zora. Invictus are running Yushinomi, Tianzhen, Crying. An is getting the start this time, and Wink. Um, on a wink where on a wink are like a really experienced bottom lane and they're pretty good. And I think it's probably a net upgrade for Invictus, but like, I don't know how much Itty carry tends to have like the biggest, or it tends to have like the least impact because the Delta between most AD carries is not that big. Um, but I, I don't know. We'll see on a wink are usually pretty good. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. We'll see. Anyway. Um, this matchup is, is kind of weird. Uh, it, it flipped favorites overnight, but it was like essentially our version of crossing zero. So like, it doesn't really mean that much. Like Invictus were short favorites yesterday. Rare Adam were short favorites today. This is essentially a pick Um, Rare Adam to me have had like the better eye test. Like their film has been better. They've actually looked a lot more competent than I thought this team was going to be. I think, if you've been following this so far, you know that I had very, very low expectations for this Rare Adam team and thought they'd be one of the worst, like, bottom four or five teams in the league and a chance to be the worst lineup. So far, they've actually been pretty competitive, and they've had two very difficult matchups against Weibo and JDG. There are two – the first two – the first game in both of those matchups was winnable for both of them. Um, really, the game one against Weibo, they should have won. That was like that one of those like super long Clown Fiesta kind of games that they kind of bungled. The first game against JDG, they weren't up huge, but I liked their composition and they were in position of control in that game. So I would have made them like probably 60-40 to win that game. This is like a long-winded way of saying that I think they're they're probably you know I wasn't a fan of this team coming into the season, but they're probably better than their 0-4 record, and you have to look at who they faced as well as part of that. This, on the other hand, I don't really know what I'm looking at. They got they got completely stomped by Ninjas in Pajamas, and then they beat up on Ultra Prime, which doesn't really mean anything, um, as we've seen today. <laughs> You know, I'm not super optimistic about either of these lineups. I'm still not entirely sure what these teams are just yet. The numbers say this is a play on Invictus, but, you know, usually this early in the season, I need a pretty massive edge on price to even consider just playing a number. Uh, and we've gotten a few of those, admittedly, but in this specific game, it's two teams I don't, I, I'm not entirely sure what we're looking at quite yet. And it's priced like a pick it's price pick them so you know i don't see a big enough edge on either side to make it worth the juice you know worth the squeeze so to speak so i'm passing on the side i am going to play kill total unders though um 
the one thing that I am certain about with these two teams is that Rare Adam look like they want to play slow, which is a little bit of a change of pace from them. Uh, normally, they're a team that that tries to play more tempo looks, but with Leon out of the equation, I guess they're moving on to something different here. All of their games have been pretty slow and grindy, and even against better opponents than them, they tend to, they they still were able to draw these games down to like into the mud, like. So they were able to actually do that against good teams. I have no doubt that they'll be able to do that against Invictus. That said, Invictus tend to play a little faster, a little looser. This could end up looking real stupid tomorrow, but um, I like kill total unders, time total overs. I'm picking the kill total unders in this case, and but I wouldn't fault you for liking the other one. I played uh, map 1 and map 2, both under 24.5 kills at minus 101 for 1.01 units each. Next up, we have Ninjas in Pajamas, plus 217. The plus on the money line, plus 1.5 maps is minus 141. Minus 1.5 is at plus 585 against JD Gaming. Minus 274 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at plus 116. Plus 1.5 at minus 887. Getting the same lineups from both these teams. Uh, Shanji, Aki, Rookie, Fode, and Shuo, And Flandre, Kanavi, Yagao, Ruler, and Missing for JDG. Um, so, NIP... Uh, absolutely steamrolled so far. Like they're just they they look great. They you know rookie had one of the worst series I've ever seen him have in the first match. They still won two zero against LGD. Now the thing is though, LGD and Invictus were the two opponents. So I don't know if this team is just a a pub stomper or if they're actually good. Their underlying metrics lean to the point where I think they're actually good. So I think it's possible that's what we're, like we're looking at like a top five, top six team here. I liked this roster a lot moving into the season, even though I didn't play their outrights because I thought the price was right. Um, JDG, we've only seen the one series from against Rare Adam. They looked a little bit rusty in the first game, and in the second game they actually just stomped. So it's a little early. This is pretty speculative, but I think this is probably too big a number for where I think these teams are going to be. I know it's a little wild to see JDG actually getting plus money on a sweep. Like, when's the last time we saw that? Like, outside of, like, you know, Worlds playoffs against, like, T1 or something. The last time we saw JDG getting being plus money to sweep somebody was a long time ago. Uh, they were the best team all of last year. So, thing is, like, it's pre-Chinese New Year. I could end up looking very wrong about these two teams, and it could just be, like, it could just be NIP or like a, a a gatekeeper team where they just stomp bad teams and they can't beat the good teams. We're not going to know that. The thing is, if they are good, then you know we're never going to see a price like this ever again. And normally, I tend to wait in spots like this, but I think this price is like way way out of line and has way too much price memory from last year. Um, my only real concern here is that JD's bottom lane should be way way better. And that matters a lot, but I generally prefer y rookie over Yagao in general. And I think there's a chance this NIP top side could outplay. Uh, I also think like JDG, you know, they looked good, but they didn't look quite as sharp as we're used to seeing from that team. And I think that's probably some of the new lineup. I also think dogs before the Chinese New Year tend to do really, really well. So, uh, and any dog that looks competent. Like ninjas and pajamas have looked so far, I'm willing to take my chances on. So, I played ninjas and pajamas plus 1.5 maps at minus 141 for one unit. 
uh, ninjas on the money line plus 217 for a quarter unit and ninjas minus 1.5 maps of plus 585 for uh, 0.1 units next up uh, we're going to move on to the lck slate on wednesday this is going to be week three day one the first match is kwangdong freaks plus 391 on the money line plus 1.5 maps of plus 110 minus 1.5 at plus 935 against d plus kia minus 540 on the money line minus 1.5 maps at minus 133 plus 1.5 at minus 16.37. So this D-plus lineup has looked very, very good. Showmaker looks like he's turned back the clock, like it's 2020 again. Um, Lucid and him are really gelling, and the whole team looks great. Like it's cohesive, and they look very, very good. They've been competitive against the good teams too, which is important to see. The The main question with D-plus right now is like, I, I personally think they're probably going to be the third best team it's just going to be a matter of do we think they're like worse by like substantially worse than Gen G and T1 or do we think that they're in like the same tier or are they in like a half tier by themselves? Um, I like this team more than I like what I've seen from Hanwha so far. I think they're going to end up beating Hanwha whenever they square off. I think that might be later this week. Anyway, um, the thing is like in the LCK, you normally have to, and really in the LPL too, you have to pay a premium for the big favorites because generally speaking, they, they do take care of business and, you know, you're being forced to pay a premium here. This is this line is super heavy-handed and it's basically saying, the market is basically saying, we don't think Kwangdong is good and we think D-plus is possibly elite. Now, I happen to disagree with that, so I'm going to be playing Kwangdong here. Um... I don't normally like fading the favorites in the LCK because, like I said, they usually do deliver. But when the price is right, it gets to a certain point where you just have to like close your nose and back the dogs. And I think Kwangdong have shown enough. Like I don't think Brion is like Brion and Nongshim are never gonna. Be, they're almost never gonna beat the good teams. Like they're just they're just too much worse. But the, I think Kwangdong are going to be like a middle-of-the-table team. I think like Kwangdong, KT Rolster, and Fear X are going to be your mid-table teams. And I guess Hamwa, but they're like kind of a gatekeeper, right? Those middle-of-the-table teams are capable of stealing games and matches off the good teams. It's not very often, and you you have to wait for good times and good situations, good matchups, and more most importantly for us, good prices. I think this is a spot where we're getting a good enough price on a Kwangdong team that's trending up that I'm going to take a shot on it. Like, I normally hate fading teams that are running really well. Like, D-plus are hot right now. Showmaker's playing out of his mind. I don't normally like going to pick up change in front of a freight train, so to speak, but I think you're going to pick up a couple hundred bucks in, like that are on the tracks instead of just a couple pennies, right? Like, that's that's kind of the, the example I'd use here, right? And I think you're getting a good enough price on a competent team Kwangdong going to have side choice. I think it's possible that they get one here, maybe two. Um, yeah, I don't know. This, this could look really, really stupid on Wednesday morning if Showmaker just goes bananas and steamrolls again. But I think we've seen enough good stuff ever since Kwangdong switched over to Bull. And I was pretty optimistic about this team in general and this coaching staff in general going into the season. I think they're going to be a playoff team. I think there's a reasonable chance that this number is just a tad too big and – I played Kwangdong. Uh, so Kwangdong plus 1.5 mass at plus 110 for one unit. The money line plus 391 at, for a quarter unit. And the minus 1.5 maps at plus 935 for 0.1 units. I'm also kind of 
double dipping here a little bit. I played the dragons over four and a half on maps one and two at plus 120 for both for one unit each. Um, D plus have been pretty fast in their wins, but I have a feeling Quandang are going to make this competitive enough that it gets home. It's also just generically an edge on the overall trend in the LCK. Um, this is being priced as if D plus steamroll this match more often than I think it happens. So this is kind of double dipping. It's almost like a double stake play on Guangdong by playing the Dragons also. But I think you could also get those home without Guangdong cashing. Because, you know, D-plus, like I said, have won. They've been winning pretty quickly. But they've been in a lot of game states like where, where a lot of their quick wins were against like Nongsham and stuff like that. So I I don't know. It This could end up looking real dumb. But I think the number is too big. So I played Guangdong. Next up, we have KT Rolster, minus 473 on the money line, minus 1.5 maps at minus 133, plus 1.5 minus 1361 against OK Brion Savings Bank, plus 350 on the money line, plus 1.5 maps at plus 110, minus 1.5 at plus 814. So I discussed last week that Brion just look like a depressed team. They look lost. They look like they have no confidence. They're not playing with any kind of swagger. Um... I think there's a chance that we see a lineup change. So really, especially for DFS players, keep an eye on the uh, starters announcement that'll come out about half an hour before this match starts. Unfortunately, it'll be after after lock. But if if Breon make a lineup change, I might actually come back and play a little bit live on them, or not live, but I'll, I'll play. I'll I'll come back the other way and take some of my risk off from this. But I'm playing KT minus 1.5 maps at minus 133 for one unit. So I feel kind of sick about this, if I'm being honest with you, because I think KT Rolster are not as good as their record, and I think they're getting overrated just a little bit. They look better than the, the bottom half teams, like the rest of the bottom half teams for sure. Uh, that's not a question to me, but what is a question is, like if you look at like a lot of their metrics, they're not good. Like they're just okay. Like at be like at best, they're just okay, and I don't think they're ever going to beat the good teams. Really, uh, I think they kind of got a fluky one against T one. That might be like their only game win against a good team this season. So and that was a ten out of ten barrel game too. The so the thing here is like because I don't think KT are good. The models don't think KT is good either. This is like way way overpaying for a minus 1.5 maps but i think brion just look completely out of it and lost right now and in situations like this just like qualitatively there's like not a good way to put a number on that and i think you just like i, th I think just fade brion until they show you something show they have a pulse so i'm willing to overpay for it i'm only playing one unit on it but um if they make some kind of lineup change particularly at jungle or like any kind of facilitating role, jungle or support, where I think they could maybe like have somebody with some cojones to actually make a play. Then I'll can I'll contemplate just buying out of this position live and you know taking the the vig loss. But for the time being, I'm just gonna leave it as is. We played KT Rolster minus 1.5 maps at minus 133. Hopefully we get a KT stomp here and they get overrated and we can fade them later on. That's gonna be it for this show. Uh, I'll be back probably sometime early Wednesday morning during this slate with another one, and I will see you then.